This week's reading for the third Sunday of Lent comes from Exodus chapter 17, verses 1 through 7. From the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water there for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water. And the people complained against Moses and said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, what shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, go ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it so that the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place Massah and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? The word of the Lord. People of God, may the grace and peace of our triune God be yours today and forever. Amen. Earlier this week, I was in conversation with my wife. Side note, my wife is also a pastor, and so she does the whole preaching thing every week like I do. And we were just sort of talking about the idea of sermons and, and wondering aloud, how effective are they and how memorable are they? And as I think back over the countless number of sermons that I've heard in my time, I can only really remember probably a handful of them. And honestly, even within that handful, I really only remember little snippets, little moments that happened. Maybe it was a story that was told or, or an illustration that happened, something of that nature, and that's really what I remember. Now, from a different perspective, I've been a pastor now for almost a decade, and I preach just about every week, at least once, if not sometimes a couple of times a week. So I've preached many, many, many sermons. And honestly, I kind of wonder how many are memorable of mine. Now, for me, they all just sort of blend in with one another. As I think back, I can't really remember much of, of what I said or what I focused on more than perhaps a week or two ago. But there are certain little ones that I think maybe, just maybe, are actually a little bit memorable. Now, interestingly enough, one that comes to mind that I, I am pretty sure stuck with my folks here at the, con uh, at the church within the congregation happened exactly a year ago. It was March 13th of 2021, or excuse me, of 2022, March 13th, 2022. And that's just one day off of exactly a year when this Sunday rolls around. And the reason it was memorable, I can't actually tell you what the sermon itself was about, but on that particular Sunday, I opened with a story about Mike the Headless Chicken. And that one stuck with the people. I still hear about that every once in a while. People will be like, yeah, you remember that time when you talked about the headless chicken? We remember that. We can't believe you talked about that. So that was one that was memorable. If I go back a little bit farther, I'm starting to think there must be something about this particular weekend that is just making stuff like zone around in my head and be memorable. Because if I go back three years, it was March 15th, 2020, and on that particular Sunday, it was actually the very same batch of lessons because that was the last time the lectionary had us here. You know, I mentioned the lectionary a moment ago, and that last time was these same passages. And in fact, I actually went back and looked, 
And I preached from this same passage out of Exodus. I jetted away from the gospel that I normally preach from, and I preached out of Exodus. And so this story seems kind of memorable, but not so much the sermon itself, but more so just what was going on in terms of that particular time. Now, if you are local, March 15th, 2020 might sound like a really familiar date for you. Now, if you're somewhere else, maybe it's not quite so significant. But here in my little corner of the world, March 15th was when everything changed because of this little debacle known as COVID-19. Leading up to that particular Sunday, We've been hearing about this mysterious illness. We didn't really know what to make of it. At first, it would kind of been off in some of the various different parts of the world. And then gradually, it had made itself out to the, the coasts of the United States, the West Coast and the East Coast. And we were seeing some things of that nature. But in the days leading up to that particular Sunday, in the days leading up to March 15th, it was kind of beginning to rear its head here in our part of the country. And we really sort of suspected that something was going to happen, and we didn't quite know what, but we figured something was pending. Now, what's interesting was on that particular Sunday, we actually had a council. Uh, my, the church council of my congregation was slated to have their monthly meeting right after worship. And the reason for that was because in the season of Lent, which it was Lent at that time as well, there's always midweek activity that happens here in the congregation. And so in order to make sure that the two things didn't butt up against each other, we moved the meeting to right after worship. Interestingly enough, the same thing's happening this weekend too for the exact same reason, though fortunately we're in a better situation right now. But going into worship, already people were kind of starting to wonder, what is this thing going on? Something's in the air, something's in the ether. We're a little anxious about it. We really don't know what's going on. A few people had, had already started staying home in advance of what would happen. And we knew in that moment, something's gonna happen. And it wasn't long. It was just actually a few hours after everything had wrapped up for, for worship on that particular day that the news kind of broke of our local school system, that they were going to be closing down for the, the, the short term until things could get figured out. And likewise, we followed suit. And so we closed our building and we began the process of online worship and all kinds of changes and all sorts of stuff with no idea of how long it was going to last. We thought initially this isn't going to last real long. And it's, it's odd right now, and we don't quite know what to make of it, but we're going to move forward, and, we're, and that's going to be okay. That was in the ether as we focused in on this particular passage. So there was that idea of anxiety and anxiousness and unease and just not knowing what to expect, and that was there. Now, I want you to kind of tuck that in the back of your mind, and let's talk about this passage. Now, again, this comes from the book of Exodus, and to really understand what's going on here, we have to kind of back up. We have to set the scene and understand the, what's been going on. Now, the book of Exodus starts in Egypt, and the Israelite people or the Jewish people or the Hebrew people, whatever, whatever moniker you want to use, they had been slaves in Egypt for more than 400 years at this point. And they had cried out to God, and God had chosen Moses to be their deliverer, and Moses had, had grown up in Egypt and then had spent, spent time away from Egypt. And now he has come back empowered by God, chosen by God in order to uh, butt heads really with, with the Pharaoh and to get the people out of bondage so that they could be let go and go to the promised land. That's kind of where this whole thing is going. Now, what's interesting, Moses is definitely the spokesman for God. 
And he does kind of, God does some amazing things through Moses. And it seems like almost every time it's the staff of Moses, his, his, his shepherd's staff, that get, gets utilized for a lot of this stuff. Like initially, God says, this is going to be a sign. Take your staff, throw it on the ground. Your staff will turn into a snake. And it'll be amazing. And people will be amazed by it. And that happens. Then we have the different plagues that, that, that God displays God's power. In the first plague, Moses, take your staff and strike the Nile River and it will turn to blood. So that has happened. And then we kind of fast forward through the various things. And eventually, after the 10 plagues, Pharaoh relents and lets the people go, lets the Israelites go. And they all leave. They leave in a mass exodus. That's where the name comes from. But they don't get very far. They get as far as the Red Sea when all of a sudden Pharaoh's like, what are we thinking? Let's go get him. And he and all of his armies and their chariots, they go chasing after. And the Israelite people see that and they get scared. They don't know what to do. They feel like they're trapped up against the sea. And so they cry out to Moses, what are we going to do? And Moses cries out to God, what are we going to do? And God says, take your staff and hold it over the, the Red Sea, and Moses does it, and the sea parts, and the Israelites walk through on dry land. And as they get through, then God says, hold your staff back over it again, and they do, and the waters come back in and save them from the Egyptian army. And this is this amazing moment of deliverance that's happened yet again as Moses is utilized by God with his staff, and they do amazing things. Now, from there, they're out in the desert, and they're wandering in the desert. And we hear it's not very long before they start to get thirsty, actually just a few days that they've been in the desert. And then there's this amazing moment where yet again, they cry out to Moses, we're thirsty, what are we gonna do? And Moses brings it before God and God says, here's a spring of water and it's salty and it's bitter, but if you throw this piece of wood in there, it's gonna become sweet. And it does, and they have water. God has once more miraculously provided for the people in the midst of their fear and their anxiety. After a little while longer, the people start to get hungry. And they're starting to remember fondly their time in Egypt. Remember when we were in Egypt and we had all the food that we could eat. All we had to do was be slaves. They've got really short memories, don't they, of ways that God has provided and how bad it actually was. And so now, again, they gripe to Moses because gripes go uphill. It's always the people in charge. And then Moses, in turn, gripes to God. And what are we going to do? And then God says, I will provide manna in the wilderness. I will provide food for them in the wilderness. So yet again, this miraculous thing has happened yet again in the midst of their anxiety. And then now we get to this point where they're thirsty again and there is nothing for them to drink. So they grumble to Moses again. And Moses brings it before God again. What will I do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. I think the people's anxiety and fear and, and, and the sense of the unknown is driving them a little batty and they're gonna take it out on Moses and now he's freaked out in his anxiety. God, they're gonna kill me. What are we gonna do here? And yet again, God seemingly does the same thing. God tells Moses, bring the elders of the people I will, and bring them to this specific point. I will be standing there before you. I will show you the place. Take your staff, the same staff, the same stick that has done so many amazing things already. Strike the rock and water will come out. And sure enough, it happens. Once more, God has provided for the people. The power of God has been on display and in the midst of their fears, in the midst of their anxieties, in the midst of their doubts, both theirs and Moses at the same time, God provides yet again. I wish I could say, 
that this is the last time that any of that happens and the people have finally learned their lesson, but it hasn't. A little bit of time goes by and they have continued to wander in the wilderness and at times they're camping out. They spend actually like a year camped out next to God's holy mountain at one point. So there's been some time has passed and at this point, they're ready to actually start going towards the promised land. And so God tells Moses, I want you to send some people to go scout out the land. So Moses sends 12 individuals to go scout out the promised land, which is where they're going to. Two of them are like, this is going to be awesome. Let's go do this. But the other 10, their anxieties and fears and concerns get the best of them. So they spread a false report amongst the people. We should not go there. It's dangerous. We're never going to be able to do that. So yet again, in the people's fears and anxieties, they cry out again. And God's like, fine. You don't want to go wander in the wilderness until you die, and I'll take your kids in there. That's why they wander and stay in the wilderness for 40 years. And yet throughout that entire time, even though God is actually teaching them a little bit of a lesson and promising that their descendants will receive the promise, Yet again, God continues to be faithful. God continues to be with the people. God continues to provide for them over and over and over again in the desert for 40 years. God is faithful even in the face of the people's anxiety. God continues to use Moses, even though Moses is a flawed person. And actually, later on, Moses will take credit for this moment that we read about with striking the rock, saying, I provided the water for you. And so yet again, his pride kind of takes over. And we see over and over and over again that the failings of these people, they are not perfect people, even though they are God's chosen people. And so what do we do with all this? What do we take from this moment, this story, and try and bring into our ideas, our moments that we we can relate to? And I was thinking so much about that. And I was thinking about that day, March 15th of 2020, not knowing what we were in for. All we knew at that point was something was up and the anxiety was high and we were all nervous and we were all kind of tense. And that was the sensibility in that particular sermon. Now, I started this off talking about those moments from sermons that are memorable. Well, there was one that was actually memorable from that, too. I went back and listened to the recording of that particular, of that particular sermon. And after talking about all this different stuff in that particular sermon, I had just wrapped it up. And then actually one of our organists, she was sitting in the pew that's actually right over here behind the camera. She was sitting right there. And on the recording from that sermon, you can hear her say something, although you can't hear what it is. And, and then I kind of engaged with her. And she and I are great. We, uh, we, we have fun bantering with each other all the time. And she says, so do you have a stick? And I kind of asked her what she was talking about. And then she says, do you have a stick? You know, like Moses, do you have a staff? Maybe that'll help out with all this stuff. And we all bust up laughing. Everyone in here bust up laughing in that moment. It was, it was levity. It was a moment of happy joy in the midst of really tense and anxious circumstances. And it was something that we needed in that moment so that we realized that the world is not over Yes, there is unknown. Yes, there is stuff to be nervous about, but the world's not over. We have each other and we have God. We have the joy of God present with us. Now, I've been thinking a lot about that as we are coming up this weekend on the three-year anniversary of all of this stuff going on. 
And I don't know if you're anything like me, but, but in recent weeks, I have been feeling just some very low-grade anxiousness and anxiety, and there's been some sleepless nights, and I haven't really been able to figure out why. I haven't really had anything come to the forefront. But then I realized our bodies keep score. Our bodies are aware of past issues, of past traumas, of past problems, far more than perhaps we are. And I kind of think maybe, just maybe, some of the anxiety of the, the, the debacle known as COVID-19 and everything that went on for, and, and in certain situations is still going on, all of that was present and I think was coming bubbling up to the surface. And it wasn't until this week and the recognition of where we were at and where we were the last time these particular stories came up that it really clicked for me of, oh, that's what's going on. Maybe the situation has been the same for you too, and you too have been feeling that anxiousness. The promise that we see in the scriptures, the promise that we see over and over and over again is in the midst of the anxieties of the people, in the midst of the anxiousness, the concern, the unknown of we don't know what to expect, we don't know what's going to happen, and we're scared. The presence of God never deviates. God shows Moses the rock. I will stand there before you. And throughout the entire time that, God, that the people were wandering in the wilderness, God was with them. And I think that same promise is there for us too, that throughout all of this that has gone over, on over the last three years, the difficulties, the tensions, the unknowns, all of that, God has been present the whole time in the moments when we realized it and the moments that we, we didn't realize it. That is the promise of the scriptures. That is the promise of the gospel. That is the promise of God that we are never, ever, ever left alone and that we have been claimed by the one who will always provide for us in one way or another, regardless of how anxious we might be about. I hope that gives you something to cling to, something to look to for a little glimmer of hope in the midst of hard times.